Entrepreneur on Fire 712. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful entrepreneurs. Join John Lee Dumas and today's Entrepreneur on Fire. Igloo is an internet software solution built with easy-to-use cloud apps like shared calendars, Twitter-like microblogs, and file sharing. Try Igloo free for up to 10 people at igloosoftware.com slash fire. From Adobe Audition to Microsoft Excel and even SEO, lynda.com has video courses that cover it all. Get access to the entire library free for seven days by visiting lynda.com slash fire today. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash fire. Boom! Shake the room, Fire Nation. John Lee Doom is here, and I am fired up to bring you our featured guest today, Zach O'Malley-Greenberg. Zach, are you prepared to ignite? I am prepared to ignite like a volcano. Yes! Zach is the author of Michael Jackson, Inc., released by Simon & Schuster. He is also a senior editor at Forbes, where he covers the business of music and has investigated topics from Justin Bieber's career as a venture capitalist to the Wu-Tang Clan's secret album. Zach, I've given Fire Nation a little background about you, but expand a little bit about your business, your personal life, and then we'll dive on in. Sounds like a plan. Uh, so pretty much my job at Forbes is to cover the business of music and entertainment. Uh, that was kind of a roundabout path, but uh, basically ended up um, focusing on uh, hip hop and, uh, and some other musical genres after a few years of covering uh, mutual funds and, and personal finance and stuff like that. Uh, and then on the side, I write books. So my first book was called Empire State of Mind. Uh, it's a business-focused biography of Jay-Z. And uh, the most recent one was Michael Jackson, Inc., which is kind of taking a look at the king of pop, but from the business side and exploring some of the ways that he changed the way that fame is monetized um, by today, by the biggest stars of, uh, you know, really first the 80s and 90s and, of course, now today. Uh, And I think a lot of people don't give him credit uh, for being as savvy a businessman um, as he was, particularly setting up these things like his own clothing line, his own shoe line, uh, things that are almost prerequisites for modern day celebrities. Um, you know, people focus more on, on kind of the, uh, the negatives of, of his late life. And, and there's this whole rich history of how he just really changed the game for, uh, for entertainers all, all around the world. No, so this is a fascinating topic, and you know I'm really glad that we're going to be able to chat about this in a little bit more depth later on in the interview, but just real quick, when you proceed to write something like this, what kind, if any, of basically permission do you need to get from like a Jay-Z or a Michael Jackson's, you know, whoever his family is that is in control of this? Like, what? How does that work? Great question, and uh, kind of interestingly... Um, you don't really have to get permission from anybody. Uh, uh-huh. The laws uh, of the land are, are very favorable uh, to journalists in the United States. And so, you know, the only way somebody can um, kind of try to, you know, prevent you from uh, publishing a book or, or kind of sue you for libel is if you publish something that is both untrue and uh, something that you know was untrue and published it anyway with malicious intent. Um, and that's very difficult to do, uh, you know, and certainly on the first count, um, 
it's obviously a huge priority for me to make sure all my stuff is right to begin with. So, uh. <laughs> so for instance, if I went ahead and published Zach O'Malley Greenberg Unveiled and I made up some just crazy bachelor party story of you in Iceland and it was really malicious and untrue, you could, you could go after me. I think it hinges on whether or not you consider me to be a public figure. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not famous, but but I do I do have my name out there, kind of willingly, and you know, on books and so forth. So you might be able to get away with uh, you know arguing that I was some sort of public figure, and, and therefore uh, I was fair game. But um, it, it is you know with somebody who's a, a private citizen uh, more difficult um, to to write about them. Uh, publicly in such a way. And, and I think, um, you know, it, it's kind of depends on your definition of, of private citizen, I suppose. Yeah, no, it's interesting because, you know, this question's kind of come up in my mind a few times because in my little, you know, tiny niche of the world here within podcasting and online entrepreneurship, you know, I have become a little bit of a known name and therefore there's been some articles written that have been titled like the John Lee Dumas effect and like things along those lines. And I was like, you know, I don't necessarily want to spend time, energy, and effort going after these people. And not that there's really anything negative written in these articles, but I was just like wondering like what kind of, you know, power or just freedom that people had to write things that they wanted. And like you just kind of broke it down there. And it's, I find it very fascinating that, you know, the, the laws in the states really do at this point favor the journalists, which I think is cool because, hey, if you're going to become a public figure and you're going to benefit from being a public figure, you should be willing to be transparent and open to, you know, things that may come your way, both good and and bad. So, Zach, we're going to move forward from that. And I know we'll probably touch upon some of these things later on. But before we do, we always start with a success quote. So take it away. Well, I think one of my favorite success quotes uh, of all time uh, is from Yoda. And he says, do, there is no try. Uh, I'm, I'm a big Star Wars fan. And, and I've always loved that, um, you know, because I don't know, you know, you, you talk to people when you're working on a project or something, uh, you know, and they say, oh, well, I'll try to do that. You know, that's not what you want to hear uh, from, from somebody you're working with. You know, you want, I, I will do, I will do this, you know, uh, and, and uh, I think, you know, by saying I will do this as opposed to I will try to do this, you also kind of eliminate any doubt in your own mind um, that you're actually going to do it. I think I haven't fully eliminated the word try from my vocabulary, but I would like to. And, and I think it's a good goal for everybody. No, I love that, Zach, because it's really a mindset shift on so many levels because you can have that mindset that, yeah, I'm going to try this. I think I can do that. I'm going to give it my best shot. Or you can say, you know what? By hook or by crook, I am going to take action. I'm going to give my all here. You know what? I might fail, but you know what? I'm going to learn from that failure. I'm going to pick up and drive forward. So, you know, Yoda, we could sit here and quote him all day because he has so many great quotes throughout that entire six series. Uh, Just amazing. I just love it in every single way. But what I want to focus on now, Zach, is you in your journey, specifically you know, your, your journey of the ups, your journey of the downs, and we're going to hit on some aha moments, some successes that you've had with your books, etc. But now tell us about a struggle. Tell us about an obstacle. Tell us about a failure that you, Zach, encountered at some point in your journey. And again, really tell us that, that story, Zach, so we can really be there with you when you had that obstacle, that failure. And what lessons did you learn? it was with my first sort of career choice or plan or dream, which was to be a major league baseball general manager. Uh, obviously I'm not doing that right now. You're no Theo Epstein. I'm sorry to say. I, I, I am not, I'm not, but, um, 
he actually uh, went to the same college as I did. He worked on the same newspaper as I did. And, oh, and cool. I, I kind of thought, you know, that I might be able to follow that path. And, you know, by my early 30s, uh, you know, be, be a major league baseball general manager. Um, and so during college, I would always, uh, every summer, I would write to all the major league baseball teams and say, hey, can you please take me as an intern here? You know, here are all of my qualifications and so forth. And, um, you know, of course, uh, I didn't quite realize that I had picked you know, arguably the most difficult job, um, to, to, uh, attain or even most difficult internship to attain. And that there were, you know, thousands, if not tens of thousands, uh, maybe even hundreds of thousands of, you know, college aged, uh, kids who, who had seen Theo Epstein and, um, John Daniels and guys like that in, in the major leagues kind of rise to a level of prominence, uh, at a very young age, um, despite not being, you know, former major league baseball players or anything like that. Uh, and, you know, I think one of the things that I, that I learned, um, around that time too, was that, you know, although I love baseball and I will always love baseball, um, you know, I think that the, the drive I needed to have in order to have, have a career in that business was not, uh, substantial enough. Um, and, you know, the more I thought about it and the more that I talked to people who were actually getting internships and doing the, taking the steps that they needed to take, uh, you know, go, going and, um, working for like the Toledo mud hens or something for a year or two, you know, just to get a foot in the door or the Portland uh, sea dogs. That's my team. Yeah. You know, or the Portland sea dogs, uh, whatever, whatever the case may be, you know, I, I kind of realized as time went on that I just wasn't willing to make the sacrifices of, you know, moving away from all my friends and working for, you know, essentially nothing, uh, just to have the shot of maybe catching on as an unpaid intern, uh, with the major league baseball team. Um, I did, however, realize at the same time, uh, that I loved a profession that, that paid almost as poorly, uh, (laughs) that, that, uh, that I, you know, that I had started to, to have a, a step in the right direction toward, and that was journalism. Um, I wrote for my college paper and was able to land an internship with Forbes, uh, the summer after my sophomore year. And so, you know, I, I had a great time that first summer and, I, and, you know, really started to change the way I would look at the world, you know, b- because uh, I remember sort of like when I, I took a geology class in high school and I remember I would look around at, at, uh, at the, the physical world around me in a different way. And I'd say, oh, that's a metamorphic rock or that was uplift or, you know, uh, or, you know there's, there, there used to be a volcano or something like that. Uh, you know, similarly, after working for Forbes for a summer, I started to, to, to view the physical world around me in a different way. And I would look at a bridge and I would say, I think that bridge cost $100 million to build. And, I, you know, I, I probably wasn't right to the, to, the, uh, to the dollar, but, you know, I probably was within, within a, you know, 10 or $20 million. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting skill or, or, or way to observe the world, um, because, you know, in the past, I, I just, I would have had no clue. And, you know, that idea of sort of valuations of things uh, is, is the key of what Forbes does and, and a lot of what I do there. And it's a skill that uh, I think applies, you know, in, in a lot of different situations. So as time went on, um, I, they invited me back for another year as an intern. Uh, I accepted on the condition that I might um, back out if I got a job with the Yankees. The Yankees again rejected me. Uh, I went back to Forbes, and they offered me a job right out of college. So that was kind of my, you know, my out of the ashes of my failure of a major league <laughs> baseball career. 
uh, I, I found my calling in journalism, which is something that I that I truly loved and, and that I really felt uh, you know empowered um, to to do and and to uh, that, that there was a path that I could follow kind of coherently um, and and be in a situation that I felt comfortable immediately living in New York, working for you know a big publication. Um, and kind of having the life that I that I wanted at work and outside of it as well. So, Zach, not to really dive into Theo Epstein that much, because I just want to kind of touch upon it, because I'm curious, but did you ever study and see how he did make his break into the majors? I mean, how did he pull it off? It was also through these internships um, and working his way up. Uh, you know, I think it's a matter of being good and being lucky. And um, I think, you know, I think maybe he got his big break, uh, you know, I think it would have come no matter what, but he got it, um, a little earlier. I think it was with the, I think he might've been working for the Padres in some capacity as an intern. Well, one thing that I think is important to note though on this is that luck does have things to do with it. And actually like you might be being generous by saying it, it would have happened no matter what. I mean, believe me, luck a lot of times, especially when you're coming into a numbers game of that proportion, has a lot to do with things. And Fire Nation, you know, you need to persevere. You know, if you really want it, you got to keep your head down and driving forward. But you need to realize that luck is going to play a role. But guess what? Luck is when effort meets opportunity. So Theo was continuously putting the effort forward. So when that opportunity came, guess what? He was lucky and he made it happen. So Zach, let's continue to focus on you here, though, my friend, because at some point during your life's journey, you've had an aha moment. You've had a light bulb moment. And, you know, I know a couple of them are have turned into books, and maybe that's going to be the story that you choose to tell us today. But whatever that might be, I want you to take us to a moment in time, Zach, not an aerial view of, of like an overarching years, but one moment in time when you had this idea and then you took action to turn that idea into success. Go. Yeah, I think that my aha moment uh, sort of career-wise uh, happened right after I started at Forbes full-time. And I started working, uh, basically I sat down one day in my cubicle, an editor came over to me and she said, do you want to help me put together a package on the top earning rappers uh, of the year? And I said, sure. And I love hip hop. And uh, indeed I do. And I, I grew up on it and hip hop and grunge rock really. And, you know, there, there weren't too many grunge rockers making a lot of money in, in 2007. So uh, I, I started it on a night. I ended up writing a story about Tupac Shakur and how he was making more money dead than all but five living rappers. And it ran in the magazine and we did a sidebar with the top five earning living rappers. And the top three of them were Jay-Z, Diddy and 50 Cent. And I remember I was out in uh, Arizona when the story hit and I was driving around in my rental car reporting a story on nanotechnology, uh, which, uh, which is a whole other sidetrack. But um, <laughs> then I heard uh, this song came on the radio that, that I didn't really recognize, but I recognized the voices and it was Jay-Z and it was 50 Cent and Diddy. And, uh, and as the song went on, they were, they, I realized that the chorus went, uh, one, two, three, one, two, three. And the, they had made a song, uh, a remix of a song of 50 cent actually called for the Forbes one, two, three billionaire remix. And it was about how, you know, combined they had a billion dollars and, you know, th- they were celebrating their inclusion on this list that, uh, that was, you know, part of the package that, that I had, uh, put together with this editor and, and, 
it, you know, from that moment on, it just, it, there was, you know, throughout all the hip hop blogs and the music press, there was all this coverage of, oh my gosh, you know, here's Forbes ranking the top running rappers and, you know, such and such Jay-Z is actually the number one and blah, blah, blah. And, and it, it generated this, this huge amount of coverage, um, because I think that there had never really been a neutral arbiter of success in hip hop. And, you know, of course, like one element of at least commercial hip hop is, is the boast uh, of success and how much I have and it's more than you have and so forth. But there was never really any reliable uh, uh, authority who could say, actually, Jay-Z earned the most money uh, or, you know, did he earn the second most money? Uh, Rick Ross did not earn the most money, you know, uh, and and I think that that was kind of my aha moment. Yeah, you know, I thought, okay, these these guys are writing a song about an article that that I wrote. I mean, the the I think we're onto something here, and this is a, an underserved market, um, an underserved audience for us that we could really be doing a lot more with. Uh, so from that point on, I made Hip Hop Cash Kings an annual event. The editor, actually, who I'd worked with on it, left shortly thereafter. She gave me all of her contacts. And um, I decided to, to do this every year, and, and I have since 2007. Uh, and I've added on, you know, electronic cash kings for it's for DJs, country cash kings, uh, oh. you know, top running American idols, all this stuff. So we do one, we do a list like that pretty much every month, um, and that's interspersed with uh, with my magazine stories and my kind of you know music industry reporting. Um, but it's kind of formed the backbone of you know what I've done at Forbes over the past seven years. Uh, and led me directly into writing books. Um, a couple years after the first Hip Hop Cash Kings uh, package went out, got an email from an editor, Penguin, and she said, hey, do you want to write a book about Jay-Z focused on business? And of course, the answer was yes. So uh, I think it, it, it all kind of stemmed from that aha moment for sure. No, that's really powerful in a lot of different ways, and I want to dive into a couple. But first, let me recommend doing a podcasting Cash Kings at some point. You can get a hold of Adam Carolla, <laughs> Mark Marin. I mean, there are some people, and I think actually USA Today published something fairly recently. It was an article about you know who's actually making money in podcasting, and it's actually pretty insane, the seven, eight figures that people are pulling down. I think it's like 200, I don't even want to quote exactly, but it's like $200,000 an episode to sponsor an Adam Carolla show or something insane like that. Um, cause you know, he has the audience just like, um, Howard Stern has the audience. And that's kind of one cool thing about podcasting is just growing an audience. So just putting, you know, putting something there for maybe three or four years down the road, you know, for your next big thing. But Zach, I know a lot of listeners right now in Fire Nation, you know, they're, they're, they're aspiring writers. They're aspiring authors. They're, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs for sure. But, you know, they see what you're doing. You're traveling around. You're being able to report on cool things. You're writing powerful books. You know, you're changing thought process and lives. What would you share with Fire Nation, those aspiring writers and these expiring, aspiring reporters? What would you share with them as maybe two or three key things that you've learned throughout your journey that you think would be really valuable for them to know? Yeah, you know, I, I think if you want to be a writer professionally, there are a couple key things to keep in mind. Um, I think it's it's pretty easy, it maybe easiest to get into it, uh, you know, during your your early years in, in college and so forth, because there does exist this kind of uh, system wherein you can apply to summer internships at you know you start by doing it at maybe your local regional newspaper. Uh, you know, or, or at a blog or something like that. And then you, you write a couple of clips and then you go back to your 
school and you write for the school newspaper and then you generate more clips and then you have this kind of body of work that you can then leverage to, to get a better internship at a bigger uh, publication um, and you kind of work your way up the ladder. And, um, you know, I, I was I was able to, to do that myself before getting to Forbes. And so, you know, as a, as a summer intern, you really get access to um, the editors who will be making the decisions on hiring later. And they would much rather go with somebody who they know and have worked with in the past than hire, um, you know, somebody they've never met. Because if you can prove uh, that you can save time for them uh, as an intern and that you can get your work done and write coherent articles, which, by the way, uh, it's surprisingly hard to find people who can do that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you'll be in a much better position. Uh, you know, it's, it's a bit trickier if you're looking to transition from a different career, um, you know, but I think the best way is to start off by, you know, by blogging on your own or finding a way to, uh, you know, to, to try to, to build up your following, um, you know, maybe through a, a site like Huffington Post or something like that. And, you know, particularly if you're coming into the journalism and writing game late, uh, I think it's most important to establish yourself as an expert, to have some kind of specific body of knowledge around a specific topic because, you know, nobody's going to say, oh, you know, I, I want uh, the you know general news take from, from this guy I've never heard of. You know, it's just not how it works. Uh, if you want general news, you go to, you know, the New York Times or wherever you go and you look at the front page or maybe you go to your favorite blogger or columnist and see what their take is. But, um, you know, in order to drive demand for your talents, uh, you know, I think particularly if you're coming in mid-career, you have to be an expert at something. And maybe it's, you know, the ex- maybe your expertise is simply the uh, career that you had had before. I mean, maybe you're, you you want to go from being a lawyer to, to being a writer. Uh, you know, having legal expertise is, is actually a huge asset as a writer um, and for people who are on that beat because really there aren't that many um, because there aren't that many lawyers who go become writers. So, you know, that that's, a, I think, a kind of one way of doing it. So, Zach, the two words that really stand out to me here are known commodity. And the known commodity, number one, works when you, as an intern, became a known commodity to your editor. So, therefore, they felt so much more comfortable saying, you know what? Zach's a known commodity. We can trust him. He can write coherently. He's, a, you know, he's very aggressive about getting out there and getting the job done. Like, you know, he's just an inspiring kind of guy that's someone that we want on our team. We know that. And we don't have this outside person where all we have are references or a resume or a piece of paper. You know, and then on the other side too, if you have already, you know, started your career somewhere else, but you become a known commodity there and you've been able to build up an online presence through your blog, through your podcast, you know, through your legalese ability to write like other people can't, you can bring that special known commodity commodity to the table, which again, will put you above others that weren't able to do the same. So those are some great takeaways, Zach. And now in just about 60 seconds, break it down for us. Just share with us one thing, Zach, that you are most fired up about right now. Uh, I think right now I'm I'm the most fired up about uh, my latest book, which is Michael Jackson, Inc. And, you know, it's coming up on the, the, uh, it would have been his 56th birthday, um, August 29th, I'm heading out to Las Vegas and I'm going to do uh, a reading of my book at the, this uh, Michael Jackson Cirque du Soleil show uh, area. Wow. So I think it'll be a good, a good way to kind of commemorate that, um, that day. But, uh, you know, I, I think that, I think that for me, the, you know, the, the reason why I ended up doing this book, uh, was very organic and it just, it, it sort of became apparent to me 
over the years of covering uh, the business of music for Forbes that, you know, here was Michael Jackson, a guy who, you know, died in 2009, immediately began earning, uh, you know, nine figures a year after his death. He was earning hundreds of millions of dollars a year uh, and, and he was no longer uh, among, among living. And the more I kind of wrote about that and discovered, you know, some of the, the reasons why that was unfolding um, for Forbes, the more I became convinced that there was something more there than just sort of, you know, savvy, um, you know, manipulation, operation of, of his image and, and uh, work, you know, after his death. But, but in fact, a foundation that had been laid by, by a very smart businessman and entrepreneur, Michael Jackson himself. And, and that was kind of the, the tale that I, I tried to tell in this book. Um, and, uh, you know, and, uh, hoping to, to, uh, share it around. Well, any Michael Jackson fans out there, and I know there are plenty, I definitely count myself in that category, love when his music comes on the dance floor at a wedding. Nobody can stay in their seats. Check out Michael Jackson, Inc. It's obviously going to be a very interesting read for anybody that wants to learn about a little bit more about Michael Jackson, his life, his business, and beyond. And Zach, we're about to enter the lightning round, but before right. we do, let's take a minute to thank our sponsors. Have you ever watched a video course from start to finish on YouTube and at the end you're left wondering what you should do next? It's frustrating when you spend your most precious resource time on something that isn't helpful or actionable. That's why I love lynda.com. You can rely on their content to be both helpful and actionable. Not only does lynda.com have a library of over 100,000 video courses, but each and every one of them is produced at the highest quality by industry experts. lynda.com offers all types of business courses I know can help you jumpstart your entrepreneurial venture, or help you take that next big step in growing your business. Courses covering topics on everything from exploring entrepreneur fundamentals to Facebook for business and Google AdWords essential training are just the beginning. I've worked out a deal with lynda.com to give you a special offer. Access the entire library free for seven days. Visit lynda.com slash fire. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash fire. What typically happens when you're working with a team of people who are spread out across the country or even across the globe? Let's be real. Things can get chaotic. Projects fall apart, tasks get overlooked, and information can get straight lost in translation. What if you had a solution that can help boost your team collaboration, share information more efficiently, and become more connected globally? Igloo is an internet you'll actually like. It puts all your business information in one place. Easy access, easy collaboration, anytime from anywhere. And it's built with easy-to-use cloud apps like shared calendars, Twitter-like microblogs, and file sharing. Everything is widget-based and drag-and-drop, so it's simple to brand and configure your logo. Try Igloo today, free for up to 10 people, at igloosoftware.com slash fire. That's igloosoftware.com slash fire. Zach, welcome to the lightning rounds where you get to share incredible resources and mind blowing answers. Sound like a plan? All right, good deal. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Having faith in myself to be able to actually write a book. What is the best advice, Zach, you've ever received? Make sure to work as hard as you can on, on your craft, hone your craft. And if you're good enough, the luck will find you. I love it. Zach, share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success. Keeping uh, toward a zero inbox policy on my email. Uh, also kind of 
kicking the habit of feeling like I have to write an email response that is as long as the email that I've received. And uh, I think I noticed early on in my career, some successful people doing that. And I took it, you know, as, as sort of cold, but I think it's just something that you need to do to maintain your sanity. Otherwise you're going to spend your entire life writing emails. Well, on that note, Zach, do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with? You can share with our listeners. Perhaps my favorite resource for what I do is uh, a site called Polestar.com, um, which enables you to look up not only any time anybody will be playing any concert, but you can figure out uh, contact information for venues and artists and, uh, and and that sort of thing. I'm not sure if that's quite uh, <laughs> quite broad enough, um, but I think more broadly, I'm I am a huge fan of um, all the the Google products and Google Drive. Um, you know, Dropbox uh, and so forth, those kinds of things that enable you to, to, to kind of take your work with you anyway. So Zach, if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? I think that Freakonomics uh, w- would be that one book, you know, because it's something that is illuminating from an entrepreneurship and business perspective, but is also just kind of a delicious read. Um, you know, and of course there are a lot of books in that, in that series of, uh, if you keep going with it. Totally. And Fire Nation, I know that you love audio. So if you haven't already, you can get an amazing audiobook just like this one for free at eofirebook.com. That's eofirebook.com. And Zach, this next question's the last of the lightning round, but it's a doozy. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have. Your food and shelter is taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? Go to the library or some other place with free Wi-Fi. Uh, I would uh, camp out and use some of those uh, 500 bucks. I think it's something like uh, $14 a year to get a domain name. Um, I would start up a WordPress blog uh, to run through uh, the domain name for free. Uh, and then I would just start writing. And I would start writing and writing. Um, I would just start reporting on the business of music. I would try to write you know, the, the, the most coherent, straightforward stuff. Uh, I would do it for maybe you know, five articles a day for the first three days. Then I would go take my clips. Uh, I would try to find a... Uh, uh, you know, a site that would be willing to uh, let me work for free. Uh, I would start writing there. Uh, and then I would um, try to transition that as quickly as possible from, from those clips that I had generated first through my own blog, uh, then through, through uh, a reputable site into a full-time paid gig somewhere uh, such that I had enough to, to uh, start feeding myself. Could I do it in a week? Yeah. I think I could. Uh, you know, I think if I were good enough, uh, <laughs> and a little bit lucky too. <laughs> so Zach, let's end today literally on fire with you sharing one parting piece of guidance, the best way that we can find you, and then we'll say goodbye. Sure. Best way you can find me is on Twitter. My handle is ZogBlog, one word, ZogBlog. And a parting piece of guidance. It's a piece of advice my dad gave me when I was really young. Um, he never really put any restrictions on, you know, what he thought I should do or shouldn't do, uh, you know, for, for a profession when I grew up. And uh, But the one thing he always said is, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And um, 
you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be in that place right now and, and I highly recommend it to everybody else. So cool. And Fire Nation, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And you've been hanging out with Zach and myself today. So keep up the heat and go to eofire.com, type Zach in the search bar and his show notes page will pop right up. Zach, thank you for igniting the airwaves today. Fire Nation salutes you. And we'll catch you on the flip side. All right. Thank you, John. Really appreciate it. Fire Nation, I've launched another daily show. I know, but I love podcasting. It's called Quotes on Fire, and it's a seven day a week podcast where I share a quote from history's greatest entrepreneurs in a killer resource. Check it out in iTunes or at qofire.com. Thank you so much for joining us today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head on over to eofire.com for full recaps of every show, our amazing blog articles and resources, and just plain fun. Your entrepreneurial journey awaits, so prepare to ignite.